On Devil Times 5 this month, we've got killer crooners, singing slashes, and deadly divas. We're feeling musical. In fact, let me put it a little bit like this. Actually, I've got a sore throat, so no, I'm not going to sing. Uh, you are listening to Aww. episode 26. Aww. Yeah, nice. Tragic. Of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. I'm Cliff Barnes, and tuning up as I speak are Emily McQuaid, CJ Lines, Brian Eno, and back from the dead, Sarah Dobbs. <laughs> Back from the dead. Back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's more dramatic than I was expecting. Well, we couldn't do an episode on horror musicals without you. So thanks Aww. for turning up for it. Um, let's crack on with our highs and lows of the month. Do you, let's, let's hear from you, Sarah. We haven't heard from you for a year. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so my low is a foreign language Netflix movie called Romina, which is basic rape revenge bollocks badly shot boring as fuck and um sort of ended with a shot of the forest where it had a really dramatic sky that they'd superimposed on and also the sky was slightly on top of half of the trees so that kind of level of uh professionalism and skill so that was my low I've got a bunch of potential highs. I think, well, I rewatched um, The Fan or Der Fan or Trance, Trance. whatever the hell you want to call it. The 1982 um, pop star fan thing that I know that, Cliff, you don't like very much. Well, I've only seen it on quite a bad bootleg. And now that it's out on Blu-ray, I'm sure the time will come when I buy that and rewatch it. Then it might be better. The Barbican screened that for Valentine's Day. They They did. Yeah, I didn't go. I wanted to. I haven't seen it, but it's really good. That's the sort of thing I'd like. Yeah, it's really good. Um, if you are a person who has ever been obsessed with a pop star, <laughs> then it's, uh, it's, it's worryingly uh, relatable. <laughs> who would be the tastiest member of One Direction? Oh, uh, Harry. Really? No. Mm, you just get hair in his between meat. Harry and Niall. Yeah, plus he's really he's got lots of tattoos, which I feel probably isn't good. So I'm actually going to... Um, rescind that and go with Niall okay I don't know which one that is <laughs> that's the Irish well, one that much. isn't Liam the Irish one plays as well? a lot of the golf quite clean no Liam's being... the one who has a baby with Cheryl Cole really yeah. and Niall is the one who's all like blonde and from a farm or something yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> okay um Bryony let's have you next um, my high is a film found Netflix, which was screening at Fright Fest. It was The Night Eats the World. Um, French sort of zombie film. Yeah, it's a guy who's he pulls asleep at a party and basically misses the apocalypse um, and slowly goes nuts. <laughs> um, which basically it's just, yeah, it's just slowly watching a guy slowly, gradually. He's like barricaded himself in and just watching him cope with that. Um, and it's really lovely and some really like subtle zombie performances and um i say subtle like one of them was just sort of gnashing away but he did it really well and you actually like had a sort of emotional bond with this zombie but yeah i liked how like there wasn't any sort of screeching howling zombies like it was just very like all you could hear was like <laughs> chattering teeth <laughs> like, which which yeah which i i really enjoy um, so yeah, I really like that one. I don't know if anyone caught that at Pride Fest. No, I, I, no. I, I've, I heard that one's. I've heard it's really good. I've had that was one that I had a friend enthusing to me about recently. Well, do you know? Because I'm, I, it is really good, and I put it off for ages because I thought it was foreign language, and because I'm just so lazy. I was like, oh, I don't want <laughs> is to it not? Subtitle. It's my friend. 
No, they do. They do two versions. So there's one in French, and the one on Netflix at the moment is um, they've reshot the dialogue scenes in English. So oh, they, crazy. Pascal Logio does that a lot, doesn't he? So the, um, his film Incident in the Ghostland, and also um, Saint Ange. They they were shot in both English and French. Um, with uh, kind of mixed results depending on whether the actor was any good at speaking the language. Mm. It's mostly silence anyway, and there's some really interesting like sort of sound art pieces because you know I'm pretentious and I like things like that. Um, he he did an alright English like speaking, but I, I did read some reviews that like slagged him off for it, but I thought it was alright. Mm. So give it a bash. It's on yeah. the Netflix. And low. Hmm. Um, Malo also another Netflix one. I, I haven't really gone out much this month. Went away ever, but I've just kind of. Because I have sat for you, and I just kind of ended up living on your sofa watching Netflix and feeding the cats, and just not seeing anyone for a week. So I felt like that man from Mahai. Um, but Malo is another zombie film. It's also on Netflix. Um, it's got Ellen Page in it, and it's called The Cured. Mm-hmm. And the, the premise is interesting. The premise is basically like they've cured zombieism, um, and they're sort of integrating ex-zombies back into society. And then it all goes very political, and it's set in Ireland. And it was just very heavy-handed and a bit like it just kind of missed the mark a bit. Um, I wasn't convinced. Why were there loads of those? I feel like that story suddenly became a thing like a couple of years ago, and there's about six of them. I don't know why. Yeah, I saw one recently. I'm trying to remember what that was. It was um, oh fuck! How am I ever going to remember what it was? But uh, what are you thinking of? <laughs> that French yes. something TV yes. show. And that, but it might have been a movie. I think it might have been a movie, and then they made a TV show, something like that. The Returned. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was about the dead people. Oh, okay. Yeah. That they didn't cure them, but there was de- there's definitely been a few things that are like we're gonna make zombies be fine. Oh, it might have been the zom rom com um, when they get killed with love. Oh God. Um, <laughs> that sounds like yeah. the worst one. Whatever that is. Yeah. It is. It is. I watched that as well, but I thought you know it's too too easy a target. What one is it? Um, <laughs> Warm bodies. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> what, what if I happen to dead people fucking you up? Because that's what I want to see. Oh, this is killing me. What was the one I watched? Oh, I'm going to have to look this up. Um, the re- it was also called The Returned. Um, it was from 2013. Yeah, I think was, they're related. That's the film that they based the uh, TV show on, I think. It's not. It's, it's, it's just another film. It's not it's, related to oh. the TV series. It's another film oh, with yeah. the same title with the same premise. Wow. Okay, I understand the confusion there. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it's just got the same title and the same premise. Cool. Um, okay, CJ. Oh, okay. Um, my low. I feel kind of guilty for choosing this because everybody showed up and made a film, and you know it was technically okay, but I did not enjoy Happy Death Day to you. I did uh, much more than uh, the title. The title was great to you, but uh, oh. Great fun. Um, but the rest of the film just didn't really appeal to me. It was not really a horror film was the problem. And I think going in expecting a horror comedy, uh, I was disappointed that it was just kind of a teen sci-fi comedy, um, very much in the vein of like uh, My Science Project, Back to the Future, Weird Science, those kind of 80s 
science fiction teen movies and, and if you like them you'll probably love it but i hate them well, so, i'm surprised that um, people are saying this saying oh it's not uh, the first one was horror this one's more sci-fi because it's, it's it's not it's the same sort of thing I th- they got rid of the slasher element kind of in this there's not very much like like the first one was very much about her being killed every time and so they had the bit of mm. slashery hijinks whereas this one mm, spoilers but like that that element isn't really there no i, I think the, the first one at least tried to subvert a known horror genre and i think the, the the result wasn't really much of a horror film which might be why i didn't really like that one too much either but the sequel is just not even remotely like they're, they're not even there's there's no trace of horror oh i disagree and i also think it's a lot of fun i, I yeah. actually thought it was better than the original um uh, I, oh. but i liked the original and you didn't like the original okay. so i don't see how i don't really like time travel like fuck Doctor Who. Yeah, well, I don't see how anyone who didn't like the original could possibly like this because it's just more of the same. It is. Um, I love them both, which is why CJ had to see it because I insisted on seeing it because I really love the first one. Mm. So that's I'm, my fault. I'm really like-minded, <laughs> but I, I just, it really just wasn't my kind of film at all. Like I say, I feel bad for choosing it as a low because, it, you know, people will like it. It's not a terrible film. It was just, oh, not my kind of film. I thought it was very uh, funny so, yeah. as well. Yeah, it's hilarious. The, oh, the comedy no, I didn't, I really didn't laugh at all. Also, if they can just keep on making those movies so that um, Tree can continue to deny all knowledge of like really obvious fanboy stuff, that would yeah. make me happy forever. <laughs> like my favourite bit in the first one is when she just is like, no, never heard of Groundhog Day or Bill Murray or Ghostbusters or any of it. And then this one, she's like, Back to the Future? No, never heard of it. That yeah. is my favourite <laughs> joke. I just want it in everything. And she's such a good character. It's like, okay, she has sort of learned something from the first film, but also she's still got that fucking angry, bitchy side to yeah. her that I love. That first day when she just storms out and she's just furious and her face is all yeah. screwed up. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. And also, of course, like we know from the last episode that I love it when a sequel recreates scenes that we've already seen in previous films. And there's a lot of that. They must have had to get shitloads of people back for that, mustn't they? Yeah. Because they do that whole bit where she's... They all cost like 20 quid. Even so. It was only a year ago. Even so, getting everyone back together to do that like scene where she's storming through the courtyard (laughs) and there's loads of people. I don't know. I mean, maybe some of them aren't the same people and we just didn't notice, but... Yeah. Or they CGI'd it, maybe. Maybe. Let's pretend that they didn't and it's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's your high? Uh, Mahai um, he is it's hard to pick one out of the three uh, but I watched an Indonesian trilogy of horror films on Netflix uh, by a guy called Rocky Soroya who seems to be basically the Indonesian James Wan and when I say that it, I mean he has watched some James Wan films and remade them in Indonesian um, <laughs> but they're much much more fun than the originals uh, because he throws in loads of wacky gore and melodramatic soap opera shit, uh, and they're just great. They're like Indonesian soaps with tons of heads coming off and faces being ripped, and it's just great. I love them. In I an ideal they're... world, that would be all soaps. <laughs> yes, they all yeah, I, mean, I, I am all for that combination of soap opera and splatter. That's, that's Why doesn't it happen in Corrie? I'd watch it if it did. Mind you, maybe it does, <laughs> I just don't watch it. It's true. I haven't watched it for a while, so yeah. maybe it's up to its game. But um, I mean, at the risk of just talking about Saw forever for every episode for the rest end of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's <laughs> what, the closest we've got, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, 
there's definitely a, a connection, and I, I guess given that he's a fan of James Wan, that would that would explain. But I like how he, he mixes it with a bit of uh, traditional Indonesian horror as well. Uh, like his new film uh, is a take on the Susanna character. If anybody's seen Queen of Black Magic, right. which is a great old Indonesian horror film. So you haven't actually uh, said what, what film yeah. your high is. You haven't actually given the name of the films yet. <laughs> well. It's oh sorry the, the the trilogy is they're all called the doll apart from the third one that's called Sabrina, which I don't know if that's just the cash in on Netflix's uh, search mechanisms and people searching for that Sabrina nonsense will find this instead. But yeah, uh, I think the doll two would probably be my favourite of the three. Um, Sabrina is the best one. I don't know. I mean they're all great. Sabrina's great. Sabrina's maybe slightly more convoluted than the the first two. The first two are really really straightforward, but just focus on haunted doll mayhem uh and i just really like the second one because i think that was where i realized oh oh i'm into this <laughs> this is for me yeah i want to watch um, them but they i don't have netflix and they don't seem to be available anywhere what? else apart from netflix um there's loads of films called the doll which are obvious annabelle ripoffs mostly um yeah but th- th- this is the only annabelle ripoff i've seen that's that's actually much better than annabelle yeah that's not hard is it um no, no. <laughs> But but when you watch things like Robert the Doll yeah. and some of the knockoffs like that, they are. Trash. There's one on Prime called so. The Creepy Doll, which I, <laughs> one day I'll get around to watching it. <laughs> Just because the yeah, brazen <laughs> the brazenness of the title, love it. The Creepy Doll, Emily. Uh, my low is something that everyone has told me is shit, but I watched it anyway because I'm an idiot. Is uh, Leatherface. Oh. Oh, I liked it. <laughs> oh, it was awful. That was my that was my low of the whole of 2017. Oh. It was it was boring. It's just no. Oh. I mean, Lily Taylor's in it. I normally really like her. She's just kind of phoning it in, and it's just nah, just no. That's, that's pretty much all I it's can annoying, say. Annoying, isn't it? I mean, I, I need to rewatch it, but it's just annoying in that sort of yeah, it's Rob Zombie-ish way. Trying to do like southern. Rim it was very southern gothic yeah i love southern gothic but it just didn't it just but, didn't do it properly it was like sort of theme park southern gothic yeah. is, maybe i wasn't in the right frame of mind for theme park southern gothic i don't know but i just yeah didn't like it it's not a very long film but it felt like it was watching all of the saw movies um again <laughs> that would be good uh, well yeah I, I no, think... maybe not spending three hours talking about them again though because <laughs> I think I can't really judge it because I think it, it suffered from a bit of Fright Fest effect that I oh, watched yeah. so many horror films that weren't horror films. Watching yeah. Leatherface, which at least was a straight up, here you go, people are getting sewn up. Uh, I was like, oh, thank God, finally. If I'd watched it with that kind of experience at Fright Fest, then yeah, I probably would have liked it a bit more, but I just thought it was, nah, not really worth bothering with. Except now in my head, I've got it as, t- I'm thinking of it as Texas Chainsaw Muppet Babies, which is probably a slightly <laughs> more interesting concept than what actually happened. Which Muppet would be Leatherface? Oh, God. Um, I think Gonzo. Yeah. 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 He, he would have, he would, it would obviously be a little bit more work to make the mask to accommodate his nose. But <laughs> I, I think, I think he'd do it either that or Fozzie. I think Fozzie Bear would be quite good as that because, you know. Oh, Fozzie, would, Fozzie would be like the one in Leatherface that you're supposed to think becomes, becomes Leatherface. Yeah. Um, but it turns out to be Gonzo yeah. all along. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, definitely Gonzo, to be honest. Because you couldn't go for Animal or anyone like that. That'd be too obvious. Yeah. No, it's a, Gonzo, Leatherface. Cool. Anyway, and my um, my high is um, not I'm entirely sure this this counts, but anyway, I had a rewatch of the uh, documentary about exploitation, not quite oh, Hollywood. Brilliant. 
I absolutely love that. Um, I just I love the fact that it's it's about how weird and bonkers these movies are. But it's you know I think we've we've talked before about the um, that that documentary about Turkish cinema, mm. the remake, remake, remix, remodel. That yeah, something like that. Um, it's it's kind of I, I like it for the same reason as that one. It's there's a real sort of celebration of the creativity as well as the bonkersness and the sheer brazen. Yeah, we're going to do a movie about a giant killer pig. Why the fuck not? <laughs> and of course, I don't know how it works with the Australian um, film industry now, but you know, the, that was the government going, "Yeah, have some money to do some cultural things." They're like, "Right, yeah, brilliant, killer pigs, yay!" Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, very much enjoy that documentary, and I keep meaning to catch up with a lot of the movies that they talk about on there. Yeah, yeah, so, it's um, great yeah, film. It's great. Uh, my high is uh, Downrange, which is like it's a Shudder exclusive, I think, um, by uh, Ryohei Kitamura who did Midnight Meat Train, which I haven't seen. This is about um, six people in a SUV. Uh, they get a tyre blowout in the middle of the desert, and while they're out the, outside of the car trying to fix it or just hanging around, a sniper starts shooting at them. And it's horrible. It's so it's really action-packed. The violence is um, really realistic and like painful. That kind of, you know, someone gets shot, they're fucking hurt. They're in pain. They're rolling around ah, for ages. Um it's not entirely realistic. A big part of the plot is about them not having phone signal, of course. But whoever wrote it seems to think that phone signal kind of just runs out like there's a wall. So if only they were three <laughs> feet, if they could just move three feet back, they'd get into the phone signal area, which is a bit stupid. But it's really good. Um, I would prefer it if they'd just cut the first 20 minutes of exposition off and just got straight into the action and then you'd have a perfect hour long it's just an amazing thriller. Uh, and my low, not the worst thing I've seen this month, but Eli Roth, the house with the clock in its walls, has um, ruined his run of amazing films because I've loved everything that Eli Roth's made um, until now. Oh, my God. That was only true for me in about 2007, I think. Yeah, that was that was true for me after he made his second film and then yeah. after that it was, it was okay now. I don't think it's ever been true for me. No. Cabin Fever, Hostel, <laughs> Hostel Part 2. Um, oh, I liked Cabin Green Fever. Inferno, uh, Knock Knock and Death Wish. Oh, all great. And Geez. How to the Clock in Its Walls. I was hoping it would be like a fun horror movie for kids, but it's more of a kind of... I've never seen a Harry Potter film, but I imagine that's what Harry Potter films are like. It's all just... You know, like whenever the characters are in trouble, they just sort of magic themselves out of trouble. Nah, it's nothing like Harry Potter. Most of them get killed by the end. Spoilers. What, in Harry <laughs> Potter? Yeah, yeah, they, they do actually. Yeah. They yeah, don't yeah. mess themselves out of the yeah. situation at all. The time. I was um I was flying back from Japan and I decided to watch all the Harry Potter films because I haven't done that, and I was just on the on the plane crying, looking mental. Mm, they're pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> they are. I was just like, no, why are they all dead? Um, mm. I'm not an emotional woman, um, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get on a plane now without just crying about Gary Oldman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay, uh, time for a sing song. And our first feature this month is Frank Oz's 1986 musical Little Shop of Horrors. Now, the most menacing musical comedy ever to paint the silver screen. Dream. Little Shop of Horrors. Where did you get such a weird flame? You got thrilled to the romance. Will you marry me? Sure. Witness the drama. You'll be a You have a talent for causing things. Feed me, Crabbon. Feed me now. Savor the spectacle of the first plant in motion picture history ever to sing for its supper. Me now. I'm just a mean, mean mother from outer space and I'm 
Starring Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, Vincent Gardenia, with a special appearance by Steve Martin, James Belushi, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. A failing flower shop gets a new lease of life when nerdy lovelorn employee Seymour Crowbourne discovers a new species of plant. However, Seymour's secret is that the plant feeds on human flesh. So this is a film with the 1982 musical that was based on the 1960 Roger Corman film. Um, let's start with that. Has anyone seen the, the original 1960 film? It's a lot of fun. Um, I haven't seen it for about 20 years, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's great. I like I like the character names in it, like Hortense Fuchtwanger and Phoebus Farb, things like that. <laughs> Loads of little characters. Really good. Anyway, what do you think of the musical? I love it. I'm yeah, I love fan. it too. And I hadn't watched it for a few years, so I sort of rewatched it. Going, I love this film so much. It's so good. It's it's a comfort it's film. It feels like getting a a, a lovely hug. Yes, very um, much so. Although this is a version that I hadn't seen before, so that was that the was the director's to me. cut. Yeah. Yeah, I just shove it on by accident. And I was like, oh, I was not expecting this. It's a great ending. It's, yeah. great, it's a really good ending. I prefer that. That's it. a stage show ending. Yeah. It's, it's not the, um, quite yeah. the stage show ending. Uh, because for years, like I, I was a really big fan of the stage show. And I that was how I came to Little Shop of Horrors. Because mm. um, what I haven't admitted yet, but what will become apparent throughout this episode, is that I fucking love musicals. Mm. Like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, when I saw the film, I was disappointed that they put on the happy ending because, for various reasons, I thought it kind of undermined a lot of the stuff in the plot. So when I heard that they found the original ending that was more like the stage play, I was quite excited, but a little bit reticent. And then when I watched it, I was really disappointed because they kind of blown it again, but in a different way. And I, I love this film so much. I think they get so much right um, as an adaptation of the stage play. Like, certainly the first third is flawless. Second third, mostly good. And then in the final reel, they, they balls it up both ways for me. It's just not as concise and effective as how they do it in the stage play yeah you're right actually the downbeat ending is more effective in the um stage play version i think that i, I still if i'm going to watch the whole thing we'll watch the happy ending version um oh, it's which, shorter for a start yes i mean i, I think, um, I think they, the, the ending while it's so impressive how they did all the like plant destruction and you can tell mm-hmm. they're having a great time with mm-hmm. that fucking hell does it go on oh, i love that does, i yeah. love that it goes on and on it, it's too much though it's no. it's and, and i think they they pace they pace the whole thing a little bit wrong like um with with the addition of the song um mean green mother from yeah. that space that is in the wrong place like that mm. that's like a sort of very upbeat that not in the stage show kind of song that's not in the stage show at all and i think that's one of my favorite in, ones that's my favorite but, song. but i think they, they drop it in at the wrong place like that should be the the sort of big sad climax or or in the mm. other one the big i mean i guess it works better in the happy ending version but there i just feel like it's too frivolous for that moment you know when mm everybody's about to die and it's all going to be really sad and then you get a party song and i think it it just ruins the the pace and the, the i don't know it depends who you think the hero of the story is <laughs> oh that's true yeah <laughs> i mean if you want to be on the side of the plants it's a triumphant song <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the thing that goes so radically wrong in the second part of this that ruins the ending in the film is that they cut two of the most important songs 
that relate to Seymour's inner monologue. And you don't get that in the film. So when he's eaten, it doesn't really feel like there's a there's been much of a path there. It's just kind of a random, oh, there's definitely a point right after suddenly Seymour where you just think, like, actually, she loves you anyway. You don't need to do all this stuff with the plant. Uh, and and, that, and that, But it's too late because in, in the play, you get the mutual inherit where he does. He thinks, oh, God, she won't love me if I don't have all this money and I don't have this plant. And he makes that decision and then it, he suffers for it. And it's so sad. Like, you, your heart breaks, but, but it, it's an inevitable tragic ending. I don't think there's any other way to end it in the play. But I think because they miss so many key bits out in, in, in the film, it, I, I don't know, I can't can't quite work out what the story is in, in, in the film. You need to have the um, downbeat ending so that you get the kind of ironic payoff of Audrey ending up somewhere that's green. So, somewhere that's green. I mean, that, but yeah. that's so, so sad. Uh, and I, I, I think, again, they, they kind of mess that up slightly in the film. I think they overplay it a little. Uh, Sarah, obviously not a big fan of 80s movies, but... <laughs> not a big fan of 80s movies also I've never seen this movie or the stage play in any format before except I think I saw the cartoon as a kid um, so I basically coming the cartoon's this. fucking weird <laughs> I remember that what was that what happened in the cartoon I have no idea what I was it remember. a, a, I was a child. film a series or what no there's like a there's, it's like a series Am I, I didn't is dream that this, when they right? cashed in on loads of 80s films and they had like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and, yeah. and a lot of yeah, them was, were like really inappropriate Toxic Avenger was, one yeah. Toxic Crusaders yeah, I mean how fucked up's that um, the cartoon had um, Audrey Jr and he was kind of dressed like he was a he was a rapper it was like Seymour was a nerdy kid and the plant was his slightly bullying friend and that was kind of it it was <laughs> yeah. a bit crap okay weird yeah Wikipedia says Junior is a kind hearted and helpful plant Oh, <laughs> <Right. laughs> he's a bit of a dickhead though if I can remember yeah. you know. I, I do remember the whole like feed me Seymour but that's about it no I, I think I don't know yeah, I think they just made more kids and the plant wasn't an alien and it was fine. But yeah, so basically I was coming to this cold, <laughs> essentially is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, uh, I think that I just found Seymour really non-existent. Like he doesn't make a choice at any point in the film, mm. really, especially in the, well, in either of it. I think weirdly in the happy ending version, he almost makes more of a decision than that he decides he has to destroy the plant. Yeah. And that gives him a payoff. Whereas in the other version, he just sort of vaguely passively lets some people get eaten and then yeah. he gets eaten and he never does anything he just his whole arc is just doing nothing and you're like well that's not terribly compelling in the um original film at least he accidentally kills the first person he like just throws away a bottle or something and it lands on some guy's head and knocks him out and he's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. yeah i think they needed i think the thing you're saying about cutting that song, um, I think they needed that to be back in there and they yeah. needed maybe one more murder that he actually does intentionally. But <sighs> that pushes it too far. I, I think there's such a delicate, like there's a little dial of, of you like him, you don't like him. And I think it, it's perfect in the stage play, but it's it's really easy for it to go either way. And but, I don't know. I think Rick Moranis is brilliant in it. Even, even though oh, yeah. he's just yeah, basically yeah. doing an impression of Jonathan Hayes from the film. And Jonathan Hayes seemed to be channeling Norman Wisdom, which uh, I don't think <laughs> don't think comes through to the uh, Rick Moranis portrayal. But I think he's brilliant in it. I think Ellen Green's brilliant in it. Oh, I'll tell you what. I, one thing that um, is is improved by uh, losing the happy ending is Ellen Green doing that really awful. Suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favourite thing. I rewind that every time. <laughs> 
Oh, honestly, I was really high when I watched it with an ex-boyfriend years ago, and we just kept rewinding it. And now, like, we text each other. <laughs> each other it's so good. She's great. Leave her alone. That makes me cry buckets. That scene. It's probably cheesy as fuck, but it's still kind of like. No, I think the whole yeah. thing is very emotional. I think it's a really sad story, and I think some of the songs bring that tragedy out really beautifully. Mm. And it's funny as fuck as well. I mean, the, the dentist song mm. is so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's nice to be reminded that Bill Murray used to be quite capable of being oh. quite funny, not just like this smarmy smug And Steve Martin He's being, being funny as well. But... Yeah, and Steve Martin, very funny in it, yeah. Steve Martin's hilarious, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I don't have any kind of like big 80s nostalgia about this one for some reason. I don't know why. I li- liked it all my life, but just never one I really went back to at all. And then watching it a couple of times in the last three months, I've grown to really love it. I think it gets better every every watch. And certainly mm. for me, the, the ridiculous uh, director's cut ending, just going on and on and on is absolutely brilliant. Mm. It's just icing on the cake for me. It is incredible. I can't imagine how gutted they must have been to lose yeah. that when it's obviously took so much time and effort mm. and yeah. money. Five million dollars apparently the ending cost. And that, mm. oh, that wow. even if you don't take inflation into account, that's more than any like Blumhouse movie. Yeah. <laughs> just just for that ending. Just and they had to cut it. Yeah. But they are amazing puppets. So I mean, there were bits where I thought, "Oh, is that stop motion?" But nothing is. It's all it's all done in camera. That whole thing. Everything. Oh, the puppets are beautiful as well, aren't they? Like the the main Audrey mm. Two plant is so intricate, and you see it in mm. such detail when you watch yeah. it on Blu-ray. Especially, you just see how much care went into building that that plant. It's incredible. You know, it would be a CGI plant if they did it now, and it would. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't be the same. Apparently, did you read about how they made the movement of the plant look so lifelike as well? They found that when they had somebody in it operating it, it just didn't look right. Mm-hmm. But if if they if they did it really slowly and sped up the yeah. film, it looked right. Yeah. So they had everybody who was singing in a scene with the plant sing at like half speed and then sped it up. Which is really, really weird. Anyway, where do we stand on musicals in general? Obviously, CJ, you said you uh, absolutely love them. I love musicals. I love, I love musicals. I, I haven't seen many of the the old kind of you know golden era fifties classics, but you know, in my you know, Oliver is like possibly my favourite ever film. It's in my top three anyway. Um, I love fucking love love Grease. Dancer in the Dark's my favourite last one, Trier <laughs> film. I'm very much in the like early to mid eighties Broadway West End. That's that's the like the peak of musicals for me. Okay. Like yeah, Stephen Sondheim, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I found out the other week down the pub that I still know every single word to Joseph and his amazing technical. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm that fucking cool. Um <laughs> Bryony? Musicals? I I don't know. I thought I liked musicals until this month. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because I was I was a musical kid. I was in musicals. I would go to musicals. My ninth birthday was the best birthday because I was on the bill. So I got to take the day off school and go film the bill. And then as an extra treat, we went and saw Cats and it was amazing. What did you, did you play in the bill? Uh, a shocked child. Oh, wow. Did you have any lines? I had no lines. I just I just had to look shocked at a PC Tony stamp. Um, it was great fun. But no, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, if I get drunk, I will put on Guys and Dolls. That's my favourite musical. Um, oh yes, amazing. I mean, it's a really divisive <laughs> genre, isn't it? Really. Mm. Sarah. Uh, I think I'm sort of largely indifferent. I like some and not others. I don't like Ooh. show tunes. I do like musicals where the songs sound like pop songs. Right. Okay. 
I took Sarah to see Cats. Didn't go well. Didn't go well. Really? It did not go <laughs> it's a well. Beautiful thing. I thought Cats was amazing. I, I was it's sat there the gorgeous. whole time. I've seen it before. I've seen it a couple of times live, and uh, and I sat there just like, oh my god, it's so magical. And I just could not plot. understand how Sarah couldn't enjoy it. So I just assumed she was loving every minute. And when we came <laughs> out, she was just furious. It just oh, it pulled the rug out from under me. I was, I was astonished. <laughs> I went to see Starlight Express when I was about seven. Mm. And it was just, it blew my tiny mind. And mm. that was when rollerblading was really cool in the 90s. And it was just like, oh, mate. So musicals for me, I'd rather see a stage musical than sit through uh, a, a film, unless it's Little Shop, yeah. to be honest. Well, um, I, th- I think be. that um, most films are improved by having songs in them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's something about mm. just taking time out to sort of emphasise a feeling because I don't like I don't like the kind of opera kind of way of like everyone's singing the dialogue, but most musicals, yeah, they they get to a certain point in the story and then they take time out for a song and the yeah so it's it's about that bit of story or it's that that particular emotion. Another thing, it's it's a really nice thing to do. But at the same time, if it is just a collection of songs, it does it doesn't work as well. There's a, there's a lot of specific motifs to musicals that that make them musicals as opposed to just like like fucking jukebox musicals, I hate oh, oh, yeah, because the, sure. these songs are not mm. designed for this narrative, mm. and it just doesn't work. Whereas in a musical, you have like theme, you know, musical themes. So if you hear a particular piano line, you know that that will relate to a character, a mm. an emotion, something that's coming. You get the reprises that that bring things back in a meaningful way. You, you get like the different types of harmonies that they do that, that are very specific to, to musicals that you don't hear in, like, pop songs. Um, and that that's what I like about musicals, and that's actually what I hate about most horror musicals, is that they just go, oh, let's just dump in a song, and they don't really understand the language of musicals. They just think, if you burst into song, that'll count. Okay. You just described, like, one of the musicals I watched this month for this podcast, and you just described what they what they basically did, but I hated it so much. Because they did do all the rules and the motifs of, of a musical, um, mm. but I couldn't. It was Repo, the genetic. Oh, really? Because that, to oh, me, that's, that's one of the ones that I I think is just a collection of songs. I think it's really? trash as well, but yeah, I, I hate oh, it for, for a different reason. No, to me, it really it went through like all of the rules very well. It had everyone's like little motifs of singing, and when they brought that bit, it was like, oh, she's singing about that now. That's happening. Oh, this character's coming. Um, but it was absolutely trash. Oh, it's garbage, it. isn't it? It's, oh the, 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 god! The thing with Repo is it's bollocks, and I really like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why am I watching I this? It's terrible. Oh, it's, it's it's got Paris Hilton. It's got Sarah Brightman. It's got Ogre from Skinny Puppy. It should be perfect. What, how the fuck? It's why is Paul so Savino in it? Paul Savino's like made made a serious actor. How's he ended up in these films? I think Paul Savino's great in um, uh, Repo. He has actually got like a proper opera voice that only really kind of comes out in like one scene, but he's 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 fab. But um, yeah, it, it it is garbage, but it's the kind of garbage that I'll happily get a pizza and watch and go. It's just so <laughs> cheap though. Everything about it was so cheap. Oh like, yeah, it yeah. is very cheap. Looking. It just looked like going to Camden Market on half term. <laughs> it's it's the worst sort of oh. cheap as well, where they used like loads of colour grading to try and make it look a bit yeah. flashy. Mm. Uh, horrible, mm. so ugly. Yeah, although one of the songs, like, it's got the catchiest song in it, which is just stuck in my head forever. Really? Which I believe. What's that? It's the 
It's just do 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 and I've just been walking around, and every time I do something like cup of tea, cup of tea, like I'll walk around, like I'm gonna have a shower, well, wash myself, wash my hair, wash my hair. Have you seen the other two that they made? The no. Darren Limbo's. Oh, oh God, I now. have. Yeah, oh. they're they're not. Um, at least with um, with Repo, you have the song that Brian was just doing. That one's vaguely memorable, and then you have a load of others that are either vaguely rocky, vaguely opery, or there's about two or three of them that rip off the same Tom Waits song. The Devil's Carnival yeah. has. Um, <laughs> It has that Emily Autumn track that that's good. That's the one good song. Yeah, it. that is good. And sh- and she's one of the standout performers yeah. in it. It's just a shame that she doesn't really get to talk for much of it. She just looks spooky and haunted. And, and the um the guy, uh, whatever his name is, Zdenek, is um, the devil in Devil's Carnival. And he's very good as well. But yeah, both of those are utter shit. And they sound a bit like the songs have just been made up on the spot, but not yeah, in a good right, way. In the way that you... That's the problem I have with those those films. Yeah, the way it, it's... The, the songs are kind of made up in the spot in the way that you do when you're about seven and you've watched some musicals. So you go around going yes. oh, i'm gonna have fish fingers now Ooh. Yeah. i live in a musical now no you don't you really yeah don't. i used to do that um, i still do I... that <laughs> well to be fair so do i uh, when I was, I think, probably 11 or 12, uh, I actually recorded a musical that I wrote uh, based on Dracula, uh-huh. uh, very oh. original, uh, and, I, and I played Amazing. it on my little like MIDI keyboard uh, and sang all the parts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if that's, I do still have a copy, yes. it will never see the light of day. Oh, um, no. But, yeah, what, I mean, but what Emily says is, is so true. It's like I've watched a lot. <laughs> I knew absolutely nothing about musical composition or what made those songs good. I was just like, oh, well, if you sing the dialogue, it'll sound good. Uh, and oh my God, mm. it, it was not good. Um, but yeah, that is what those films are like. Unfortunately, none of those people have the excuse of being 12. But yeah, that was definitely my least favourite. I don't think I have a favourite horror musical other than Little Shop now. Yeah. Um, Rocky Horror? Everyone loves Rocky Horror. Uh, yeah. Rocky Horror, yeah. Mm. Did you watch that? Yeah, I watched that, yeah. Um, and? I don't know. It's good. I like um, Crystal Maze. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with Crystal Maze, and then it was like, oh, that man also did that thing, so I watched that thing, and oh, it's just wow. like, I don't know, because they always have Rocky Horror on in Brighton, don't they? Yeah, I went mm. and saw it at Christmas, a live show. I've never, I've always avoided seeing the live Rocky Horror because I always thought that it just wouldn't live up to the film, but the current tour in production is so good. I've seen the movie with Shadow Casts, and I've seen the um, the stage production, and I would definitely prefer to see the movie. Uh, with the shadow cast apart from the time I went once to the Prince Charles cinema and it seemed like half of the people that were acting out what was happening on screen hadn't actually seen the film <laughs> yeah so that was kind of awkward and weird but um, this is my this anyway. is my general that's my general feeling about Rocky Horror is that I think I like the film but I don't really like the fans mm. yeah yeah, um, yeah. Oh, man. I, I when that. I saw it in Brighton at Christmas I could not believe what happened after the show everyone was out in the out in the, the foyer you know just chatting after the show as you would uh, there was this little old man in like a leather jacket. He must have been about 70 or 80. And a tall bloke dressed in uh, Frankenfurter's lab costume, that green dress and the wig, mm-hmm. just decked him. I got into a little argument with him and actually fucking wow. punched the fuck out of him. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> Wow. I was not expecting that story no. to end with that. No. I, thought no. you were say there was I was some, expecting um, a sing song. Bloody hell. Yeah, it was I was so expecting odd. some kind of romance between 
Did you ever? Because um, I'm pretty sure Rocky Horror comes to Brighton like every year, like every year without fail. And you walk down the road and just walk past people who are in the costumes, and it's one of my resolutions to try not shit on people. But it's like they'll walk by it and they'll try and catch your eye, just like, ah, look at me, yeah. I'm in fishnet, yeah. I work in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me! And it's like good for you. I'm I'm pleased, but I don't care. I really don't. And then I watch the film, and it's just like it's tainted with just like trying to walk I... to work and just getting accosted by people dressed up going. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know what, what what's what's interesting about that? And I I, I agree uh, to an extent is that when you look at Rocky Horror in the context of when it was released, it was so incredibly subversive and so mm. like. Uh, you did not get this kind of subject matter tackled in this way. And it was such a celebration of uh, non-mainstream sexuality um, mm. and queerness and whatever else you want to call it. And over the years, it's kind of become the opposite in that it's become the cliche is that when people go to see the Rocky Horror Show, they are like the most normal like lads mm. uh from the office but they use it as a mm. as an excuse to deck out in fishnets for a night oh it's yeah and it's like that's it's like that's when com- um well it's mm. just like pride isn't it pride is is mm. I, I don't as a as a queer person i don't go to pride in brighton anymore because it's just full of the straights um yeah. <laughs> just just like my i had this job in a supermarket when i first moved down here and uh, i quit because it was horrible and my old boss put a photo on facebook he dressed up for pride as a gay man uh, and he just put on a pink cowboy hat and a pink feathered boa, and it was just like, what the fuck? Oh, God. Wow. And it was like, I'm I'm just gonna stay in from now on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what what Rocky Horror reminds yeah, I, me of. I get like, that. Just yeah. I just I think it's a shame because of what it started out as and, and the impact that it that it initially had. And um... yeah, no film film wise though, it is a, it's a fucking brilliant film, and Tim Curry is is amazing in it. Mm. Like his performance mm. is oh, incredible. Oh, absolute legend. Just, yeah. Just. His pronunciation just still makes me piss myself. <laughs> like, wah. Wah. Well, apparently, Frankenfurter originally was meant to have an American accent. Mm. And then when they were kind of workshopping it, um, Tim Curry was like, how about he sounds like the Queen? And like, <laughs> oh, okay, God. try that. And he did. And it, it was just amazing. That's so brilliant. Have you seen the film of The Worst Witch, which is like a really, really bad 80s kids movie, but he plays the Grand High Wizard and he gets one song, which is camp as anything, with a lot of kind of like weird... <laughs> Uh, green screen pop music stuff going on and he's got a big no. cape on and it's just the best thing ever he's got a big cape on he's got a big not, not as in a big chicken as he's wearing a big cape <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a euphemism either he's just uh, it's just it's Tim Curry in a cape okay <laughs> what more do you want yeah, um, exactly. Should we talk about some of the more obscure horror musicals? Um, yeah. Which is most of them, to be honest. <laughs> that aren't Rocky Horror or Little John Forest. So, <laughs> yeah. Which says a lot about the genre, doesn't it? It does, but... it does. I really like Billy the Kid and the Green Bay's Vampire, which is a British one. Di- oh, me too. Directed by Alan Clark, of all people. I loved that so much. I'd, I'd not seen it before, and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then randomly I saw in one of the crowd scenes someone that I know a bit from the London comedy circuit was in it. Um, the oh, really? The sort of 70-year-old actress who occasionally does a character that involves her doing a lot of disgusting double entendres. Oh, who's that? So I messaged her on Facebook. Uh, she's called Sarah Crowden. Okay. And um, I messaged her, and I was like, I just saw this film, and it had you in it. And she came back with the best... The best 70-year-old slightly campy actress response ever, which was, oh, yes, a true late-night cult, as indeed these days are we all. 
But um, she w- and then she was saying about how it was lovely to make and how Alan Clark was brilliant and yeah, that was that was lovely. But I genuinely loved that film and I I don't understand why it just kind of completely hit me. Like, oh well, this is going to be a bit dodgy and shit. And no, it's so good. I watched it this morning when you were on the bill, Bryony. Did you meet Tosh Lines, Kevin Lloyd? Uh, I don't think I did. No, because he's in the, he's in this one. No, I did not. Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, I just sort of watched it, and I was just, I watched it this morning, sort of half asleep, half hungover, and I was just like, it was the same as Emily, just like, I love this, but I don't know why. And then half my yeah. I was like, who, when they made this, who did they make this for? Because it was a bit when they're like, snooker! A snooker! It's a good game! It's a snooker! And it's like, it is a good game. I've never watched snooker in my life, but I'm on board now. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's it a sports like, film that makes me really interested yeah. in the game that they're playing. Yeah, and I, yeah. I hate snooker. The only thing I know mostly about snooker is it was always on telly when I was a kid, and it was always the reason why yeah. cartoons weren't on anymore. Mm. Sort of like, oh no! And if you're watching Bugs Bunny, it's cancelled because we've got another four million frames to play. But that film just makes <laughs> just makes it fun. It's just brilliant. And the and the era that I did watch snooker as a kid, like it was the Jimmy White Ray Reardon era, which is what the characters are based mm. on. Happiness of the Katakuris, Takashi Miike's. Oh, I love that? that. I love it. Yeah, I think as a musical, no. Uh, but it's kind of a like I think the musical elements are pure pastiche like it's not trying to be a musical I think the film itself has heart and has uh, a certain loveliness to it but at the same time I think the musical elements are thrown in as as jokes more than anything else I would say but um, but I think it's great I think it's such a weird movie uh, in, in a good way not weird as in oh what's that about but weird as in it uses its weirdness to to make its point and i, I it's I like it. a very very weird sketch show or like a week's worth of telly kind of condensed into two hours yeah um, yeah i quite liked it i like the claymation bits those are fantastic yeah, yeah. it's a good yeah, way to save money are. on um, stunts and that isn't it <laughs> yes yeah and they could make them as ridiculously over the top and disgusting oh, that was like one of about 11 films he made that year so yeah it was, it, yeah. yeah they were just pumped <laughs> out for nothing and there's just so much imagination in in that era mm. of uh Mickey's films and I think that's one of his, his most memorable mm. um, Sarah um, are you allowed to talk about Anna and the Apocalypse? Do you have to declare an interest? <laughs> Am I allowed to talk about it? I do have to declare an interest which is that I worked in the social media publicity bit for it but I love Anna and the Apocalypse so I think it's brilliant I went to see it with my colleagues when we were like working on it and I thought that no one else would enjoy it except me but everyone loved it so that was good but it did feel like one of those movies that's like for me because it's like teenagers in a school singing pop sounding songs and then getting eaten by zombies that really stood out that the songs do actually sound like the sort of stuff that could be in the chart at the minute um, yeah which is so rare for a musical um, and, and also what chart is this? Huh? what chart? that's what they would I sound don't, I don't know it's, what chart you're talking about but it's, it's what it's what it's what all these uh, just straight up pop songs sound like to me these days now I'm old <laughs> yeah I think I think <laughs> I don't know to me it didn't really sound anything like chart music in uh, in the way I recognise it from actually listening to it okay admittedly you don't um, ever in the top ten here Mark Benton suddenly grumble on halfway through a verse. No. <laughs> but like fucking uh Paul Kay's uh big villainous number was like bloody queen or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah. Yeah, deliberately. He he is absolutely fantastic yeah, in he it. Is. He's See, so am, good. Am I, am I the only one who really hated it? Yeah, I think like, so. I absolutely yeah. hated it. 
I was prepared to hate it because I started. I watched it last night and I was just like, see, I didn't like the fact that the songs in this sound like pop songs because they were a very particular type of pop song where everything's yeah. a little bit, oh, we're a bit anguished, but everything's going to be okay. The kind of thing that people sort of cover on X Factor or yeah. whatever. But it won me over. It's got a real sweetness to yeah. it. And I, I, I do think that um, Paul Kay's fab in it. For me, it was it stole everything that it did from from Shaun of the Dead, which I know is what people say about every single British comedy horror. They all say, "Oh, it's Shaun of the Dead," and most of them aren't. But this one, mm-hmm. it was almost beat for beat from Shaun of the Dead in Shaun of the Dead, where he has to kill his mum. Like the first time I saw that, it was devastating. Whereas in Anna and the Apocalypse, they take that moment and for like the final third of the film, they try to give every fucking cast member that moment. Mm. Yeah, the storyline's the thing I like least about it. What I like is the way that whenever a song starts up, the camera work kind of changes into a more kind of pop video kind of style. Mm. Um, and, it was it was high school musical style, I yeah. felt. The, the, which, you know, fair enough. They, they did a good job mm-hmm. of replicating that. No, I, I really like it. And I've gone to like a karaoke night with some of the cast singing their songs and that was really fun. And I just think it's really fun. And I, it worked for me. I found it really emotional. So the um, the Santa innuendo Christmas song, I've forgotten what it's called, but where she's um, singing like the sort of Santa baby style thing. I love that song. It's, it's like that time of year. It's a great yeah. time of year. I love that. That's very like a, well, it's not in the same style, but that's very like a Christmas song that Girls Aloud did. Yes, oh, it is. I'll let, um, I'll let you see inside my stocking. Yeah, which I also mind. love, yeah. which is like 100% on my Christmas playlist and i play it every year so maybe yeah. that's why. yeah that's great but that's but, <laughs> but that's girls allowed i mean the world did not deserve girls allowed <laughs> no best, best. that's why they had to did have some good songs certainly best pop at some point time. we'll be ready we'll be ready when the world gets better yeah girls allowed <laughs> we'll be ready for girls allowed yeah. there's a drag version have you seen the drag version of girls allowed i never want to there's a couple more i want to talk about a horror musical that i really love is the, the lure the polish mermaid film Who's seen that? I couldn't finish it. Oh, it's so I, I think I gave up after about 40 minutes. It was so, so boring and plotless and just awful. I hated it. Oh, it's so beautiful. It, it was... It, it, I think I watched it at a time when I was particularly annoyed about, like, oh, I was horror. And yeah. I just watched it and I was like, fuck off, you pretentious load of wankers. <laughs> <So> <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I didn't give it a fair go. Um, yeah. Tell me why, why I should love it. The, the songs are really varied. There's a hell of a lot of them. Um, it was all written by a Polish pop group, pop duo. <laughs> In fact, it was originally going to be a biopic about this pop duo, these two sisters. And in the development... They got. Uh, they started going. Well, you know, actually, it's getting a bit personal. So the writers said, "Well, okay, we'll change it. We'll make it a horror film about mermaids instead." But they're still based on you, all right. <laughs> and, um, it's just really, really well shot. It's beautifully made. Um, the songs are great, and I, I think more people should watch it. What it reminded me of. I didn't have time when I watched it the other week, but I'd love to have double billed it with Raw, the French cannibal film that came out oh, a couple of years ago because they're really similar. I, uh, felt the same about Raw's not a musical but it does have a lot of music in it um, but yeah they're, they're great, great double bill um, and uh, Tim Burton Sweeney Todd does anyone like that because uh, CJ you mentioned Loving Sondheim it's such a great musical you can't entirely fuck it up but unfortunately every decision Tim Burton made mm. <laughs> he sort of went wrong like I, I hate Johnny Depp as well you could end the sentence there um, but 
it's really weird when you first hear him sing and he, there, there's no place like London. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, do you remember Phil Cornwell's impression of uh, David Bowie? Yeah. It's just like that. Yes. Yeah. I saw the movie of Sweeney Todd, this, this movie, and I quite liked it. I didn't think it was amazing, but I quite liked it. And then about a year or so later, I saw a stage production of it and that was a million times better. Oh, I just read mm. that um, they cut a load of the sort of the catchy bits of the songs out of, uh, for the film. Yes, they did. So, like, all the kind of choruses and stuff, which... Oh, yeah. And they, they had to change some of the music because a lot of the people that were in the film, their pipes weren't up to singing yeah, song time yeah. because uh, a lot of those are bloody difficult to sing. You they, need they a proper... They copped out on so much in, in the yeah. film. And, and I think while it, there's so much good stuff in that play that it's it's almost impossible to totally wreck it, but you know it's the film is watchable by virtue of the source material, not anything that Tim Burton really did. Um, it looks nice. The yeah, um, it looks really the costumes nice. Are nice. I think I think I'm the opposite then because I absolutely hate the music in the film, bar a couple of songs. Um, but I think it's I think it's a really enjoyable film, despite that. Um, Hel- Helena Bonham Carter's singing sounds as bored with Sondheim as I am watching it. <laughs> so she, she's not great. She, either she's not got a great singing voice or it just wasn't right for her, I don't know. She gives it a good go, but she doesn't have a great singing voice. Uh, I mean, Sondheim is pure theatre. Like, you can't get more musical than, than Sondheim. And I feel like he doesn't translate to film. His tunes in Sweeney Todd, and maybe it's because the choruses were dropped, but they just seem mm. like meandering and repetitive. And I think I think that's absolutely because they they butchered them for the for, for the film. Hmm. But I also think his his stuff is designed for the stage, and that's where it. Should... Fair enough. Also uh, notable for being Tim Burton's only eighteen rated film, and I wonder if this lyric was responsible for that. And in that darkness, when I'm blind with what I can't, <laughs> what I can't. <laughs> What I can't, what I can't, what I can't. <laughs> oh, David Bowie's never sounded so rude. <laughs> oh, bad Bowie. They, um, they cut that line from the one version of uh, Sweet, well, I saw the film, but the one stage version I've seen of Sweet Todd was the, uh, I was a technician in a secondary school and they put this on. So they cut that line from that, unfortunately. Yeah. Did not get to hear a twelve-year-old say "cunt." It's not really what he's Same. saying. That's always it's fun. Not really, what he's saying <laughs> just sounds like it. <laughs> what is he actually saying? What I can't. What oh! I can't. I think it is. God. What I can't. I really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so... God, I really wasn't paying attention to that film then. Cool. Well, our second feature is Jerome Sable's 2014 Stage Fright. Welcome to Limelight. There has been an accident. Maybe there's somebody out there that really doesn't want him to put on this play. Camilla, where are you? There's a killer in the theater! Ten years after her mother was murdered on the opening night of the musical she was starring in, a performing arts camp cook takes on the same role, apparently prompting the return of the killer. So CJ, you chose this. 
I did. Oh, I feel like I'm just... You've got to cut me in, in this because I've just been wanging on so much. Um, <laughs> and I'll probably start doing that again on stage fright. I love it because it totally gets musical theatre. Uh, it loves it, but it also acknowledges that it's not a perfect world to be in. Uh, and I think... <laughs> you know, they, the kids all come to this performing arts camp and have this wonderful song at the start about how excited they are to, to all be at this camp where they can finally be themselves and express themselves for like the the summer where otherwise they're just getting beaten up at school for being camp and being into the musical theatre. Uh, and, it, and it's a very, very funny song and, it, and it's a great bit of choreography when they all kind of come together and yeah, it's just this perfect like musical pastiche but also homage. Uh, and then gradually you find that this perfect world that they've gone into is actually full of creeps and perverts and awful people that are there to exploit each other. Uh, yeah, well, the sexual politics are interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Do you to, mean that in a well, problematic Well, the, the way sense, that um, Camilla has to basically throw herself at the few heterosexual yeah. men... At this, at the camp, but I, th- I think that's very much an attack her. on uh, mm? the industry. Well, yeah, I, I think it's it's of, of course, but it's an interesting um, thing to put into a film like this because it's quite dark. <laughs> but I think the film the film has a darkness and the film has a sadness, and I think it balances it really well with hysterical violence and uh, and jokes, which is one one of the things that I love about it. I just feel like we watch different films. It was okay. I love that song that you were describing with the sort of the satirical stuff about the, the kids arriving at the musical theatre camp. That was quite good. And there's that all 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 of life's a song to sing refrain. That's mm-hmm. really nice as well. And I like the way that it sort of talked about the covered the world of musical theatre. But I think the songs in it are quite bland. Ooh. And also, I don't think I don't think the slasher element of it is done particularly well. Oh, no. It's a little bit a little bit repetitive. It's just kind of like, I hate musical theatre. Stab, stab, stab. Oh, see, I don't agree with that because it's not stabbing. Yeah, it's normally like he's killed them with. Light bulb, light bulb or something. Oh yeah. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the well, it's stabbing. It's not a knife, but it's uh, the guy who yeah, gets it's... half his foot chopped off. Is that horrible? Yeah, that yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, um, it's just it's... I, I don't know. I, I wanted to like this more than I did. It's got some oh. good bits in it, but it's. Meh, not sure. I love this movie so much. I was expecting more of the light bulb because so like, there's a whole thing where you put a light bulb in your mouth, you can't take it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What? It's true. Don't try. Well, because your mouth doesn't work that way. You could put a light bulb in your mouth, but you you won't be able to take it out. Oh my god, is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. Fuck, Um, that's scary. I'm not trying it. They just switched it on. How'd you get it out? You can't go to a doctor. Bite it, break it. Fuck. No, and then it'll break in your mouth. That's all right. See, I was very disappointed because I was like, oh, he's going to do the light bulb thing. Oh, and then he's just like, well, I'm just going to switch it on. It was like, oh. That, that's okay. a fair criticism. I did not know that the light bulb thing was a thing, but now I do. It is far it's more a disturbing. Thing. I'm pretty than, sure than it's a thing. I, li- I like that death because it reminded me of the guy who gets the flare in his gob in Friday the 13th, part five. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's loads of references in it, aren't there? There are loads of like yeah. just quick visual gags that are referencing horror films. Which I like. Yeah, like the little kid doing the um, leather face is cute. Yeah. yeah, and, and the, the like pinhead, pinhead dressmaker yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and I love the, the the just general Argento vibes on the the murders. Like he's obviously watched eighties Argento, where the heavy metal music kicks in and there's all the mm-hmm. strobing and the close up of knives, looking very penetrative. Uh, I just like how it looks. Like that scene where he's behind the curtain and he like slices through with the blade. 
with the like mm. kabuki mask on. I love that. But I don't know why. They're just like the kabuki aesthetics great isn't it like i don't know i think i think because I, I love the mikado as well as a play so i think the fact that the play that they've chosen to put on is essentially the mikado meets fan of the opera i mean i'm, mm. I'm obviously gonna love that <laughs> and, and that in florence weirdly yeah yeah <laughs> and that scene where they they actually put on the play in front of the critic and it all goes horribly wrong uh, is just so funny to me I don't, is it? I don't know why, but I just think it's hilarious. Maybe I've just got a stupid sense of humour. It's like well, it's, it's like that. I mean, I've watched this film five times now, and there's like a subplot that I didn't notice until this time round, which is the camp director saying he has stage fright and won't perform mm. on stage, and then he kind of has to because everyone else is being murdered or like in the middle of being murdered while on stage and he has to go on and sing to distract them and I was like oh that's really sweet like that's such a tiny subplot that affects nothing but I'd never noticed that they gave that character a little through line he's got a lovely journey (laughs) plus plus like Douglas Smith is in this movie so therefore I love it that's the rules that's the rules (laughs) bye 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 that's the rules bye 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 yeah I I don't know it's a fun film to watch but I don't it's not very memorable um, and that extends oh. to the songs as far as I'm concerned it's like yeah the songs are uh, bland and that's the, that's oh. a shame it reminded me a bit too much of Glee or something like that where it was just the, you know everyone's really perky and so on but, they're, but, it's but yeah but it's, they're rooted in the same thing which is performing yeah. arts kids and, and I yes. think I don't know I really I don't know, it speaks to me. (laughs) But like Glee, where everyone gets murdered, is surely the thing that you want. Like Glee, everyone gets murdered. That sounds brilliant. I think what I would want would be fame where everyone gets murdered. So it's got a bit of the grit and a bit of the kind of like, you know, know, things are are a bit miserable and then there's murders. Just to make it more... Basically, I want the perky bits to be less perky and more grim and the grim bits to be grimmer. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. No, it's not. Mm. I'm with you on that. I think I think all the perky bits have got an edge. Yeah, even that like joyful song, even the joyful song at the beginning, which is yeah. which staged really lovely. It's like, oh yeah, my dad's been beating me up, but in song. Mm. Yeah, so it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's exactly. my dad. It's like because I've I've seen all of the High School Musical films. I'm not proud of it, but I have. Mm. Yeah, and, um, me too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, for me, it was just like it was 90 minutes long. It it oh. did its job. It was a concept. I I know this sounds so bad because I didn't mind it. But my favourite part was the credits. Oh, that's um, so, that yeah, the bit of the credits is funny. The song at the end is like, "What are you watching this on?" And it's like, "I have pirated it. Well done." <laughs> um, like, <laughs> but it was like, oh, okay, and I, I liked that. That was a nice little nod to me being a dirtbag. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I liked how he did all the songs. One related uh, comment to that, where you know the film sees you. Um, I I really love uh, Meatloaf's big moment well i mean i really love meatloaf anyway but i love when he gets his rousing little speech to these kids who are aware that somebody has been killed in the camp and that the right thing to do is to call the police and he manages to convince them otherwise by reminding them how much they love musical theater with that that kind of song that on one hand he is quite dark and weird that he's doing this at this moment like that's not the right thing to do but you still get kind of sucked into that thing where he's like, remember the first time you saw a musical theatre and the kids are like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's sort of, it's beautiful and it's poignant and it's perky. That but bit it's, is but great. It's also and Meat, Meatloaf is fabulous. His voice isn't up so much in it though. He, he sounds like his voice is failing. 
And I think his voice his voice is kind of a bit fucked now. Yeah, isn't he it. doing a tour at the moment or soon where he's it's just kind of a an evening with meatloaf and he's just telling stories about yeah. his life. But he's, but he's got some bloke, some younger bloke on stage with him to sing the songs. Yeah, I saw oh, him no, a few years sad. ago, uh, like actually more than a few years ago, and probably about twelve years ago, and his voice was not not at its best, but but he's mm. still just so watchable in anything that he does. Yeah, yeah, he's um, um, he's entertaining. I think the best thing in stage fright is Leanne Miller, who plays Sheila. I think she's adorable. Which one's Sheila? The one who does the the voice exercises. The um. Oh, yeah. She was brilliant. I immediately like tried to find out who she was and what she's done because she she really stood out. Yeah, Her and the listening kid I really liked. At all. Sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah she's... Well. Uh, right. We got anything else on stage fright? No. Well then, <laughs> let's play scary noises. <laughs> So it's CJ and Bryony uh, versus Emily and Sarah. Can you hear this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That goes on for a really long time and there's no way to stop it. Okay, cool. All right. You got your pins, Bryony, or what? Oh, you're not. No, uh, no, I'm at a different house today, so I've got a um, stack of burnt CDs and a lighter. Amazing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like stomping here now. <laughs> Stomp with a werewolf. <laughs> I'd watch that. Chomp. I'd watch yeah. that. Yeah. Bad, nice. Yeah. There we go. Chomp. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Oh. All right. Okay. It's first pair. It has already been advertised at the Museum of the Occult. We shall exhibit facsimiles of some of our friends. It is, of course, a perfect meeting place for those very people. I think it will amuse you. And tomorrow night I plan the preview. But please excuse me now. I must concern myself totally with your astrological job and ascertain the precise moment for your crowning. Yeah, go on. Sounds like um I'm gonna take a wild guess at the dialogue. Is it blood sucking freaks? No. Uh no, the music was orphan. And the dialogue was from that was Ringo Starr's terrible fucking line delivery. I son was going to say it was Ringo Starr because it really? sounded like Thomas <gasps> Tank Engine. Yeah, he's so <laughs> so fucking bad in that film. I, I, Is that I, as bad as it looked? That film because I was just, I was kind of like yeah, I was going to attempt to track it down and then I I read sort of a thing about the premise and I was like yeah, yeah. Harry Nilsson as Dracula and Ringo Starr as his wizard. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. I didn't know Dracula had a wizard. No, Merlin, actual Merlin from King oh, Arthur. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know they were friends. That's so cool. <laughs> that is quite. Yeah, they go around having wacky lads weekends. And, yeah. <laughs> that I'd watch. Don't watch that film. It's awful. Right, uh, it's number two. <laughs> uh, the music was from the lure and that oh. was, that's the sound of mermaids having psychic conversations with each other and the dialogue was one of the yeah. pervy phone calls in Black Christmas oh, oh shit of course yeah, yeah of course I was, was thinking was it that and I was like no that's too obvious 
God damn it. Oh, yeah, 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 sure, Emily, that's that's what happened there. You thought, oh, oh. it's Christmas. <laughs> Too obvious, won't bother saying it. Too obvious. That's such an iconic, weird, spooky voice. I'm assuming loads of movies ripped it off, so... Oh, that's... right, I see. That's an excuse. I'm justifying my failure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this sucks. Like, every month I'm li- listening to Scary Noises and going, Craig, how come you didn't get this right? And now I'm like, I don't recognise any of this. It's hard to uh, think. The, the pressure's on when you're in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, in the we're all under sweating the under the stage lights. We've all got our makeup on. It's fucking hard. <laughs> you play with a big jackpot. You know. Right, number three. I have opened a bottle of Pirelli's in this. I say to you, there is nothing but an errant fraud. Oh, cocktail. That's Riley. It's, uh, the, the dialogue is um, as Johnny Depp uh, in uh, Sweeney Shot. It is. Uh, do you want to take a guess at the music, you oh. or CJ? I can sing it. Go on, yeah, if you could sing it to me. <laughs> okay, so it's it's like... <laughs> spooky. Oh, that sounds like a spooky cat. Is it uh, the uncanny? <laughs> no. So, Emily and Sarah, can you get the music? I have opened a bottle of Pirelli's in this. I say to you, there is nothing but an errant fraud cocked from piss and ink. Furthermore, Signor, I've served the Snow Kings. Yeah, I'll wager that I can shave a cheek with ten times more dexterity. That is pretty obscure, to be honest. Nope. It's from it's from York Butler. It's Shram. Oh, number four. I hated you too from the first second I saw you. Everything about you I found. Briny. Uh, it's, it's the beginning of Little Shop of Horrors, isn't it? No, the music wouldn't be that obvious. Is it not? No, no, the, no, no shit! Oh, Century Fox. It's a 20th Century Fox, Fox, but then it goes into yeah. a song. It's it goes go into, into a song, and it's like, no, it's like, oh shit, there's some music. You buzz too early. Ah, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Emily and Sarah. I hated you too from the first second I saw you. Everything about you I found repellent. The way you dress, like a stolen The way you play, like a thief. Those reptiles you bring with you, and the way you laugh. Always laughing. Is the music Rocky Horror? No. Oh, fuck. That, that's got 20th Century Fox in it, though. Damn. Anyway. That was me being my whole, hey, I've got one. Woo, guys. <laughs> This is going to really annoy me because it, uh, it, it's just Ugh. bollocks. Can't place that at all. All right. No. The music was Alien 3. Oh, for God's sake. Ah! What? Ah. what? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. How can you justify having the 20th Century Fox music? Because it, it, because it, it does tra- that weird it, it thing. It goes into it. It goes into it. Oh. And it's always a thing that I'm like, that's well cool. And I'm really annoyed that I didn't get that. And the dialogue was Billy the Kid and the Green Bay's Vampire. Oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking so reptiles. Well. Is, is it that? No, okay. Good. No, really, Emily? Did you really think, think that again? <laughs> she did well, think that, then she it thought it would be too obvious. obvious. I've, I've just thought I've just said yeah okay I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to say for everything yeah well you know it's too obvious I was going to say what that was right okay here's the fifth one I had a shitty day I don't care my brother's giving me shit 
Just give me a shit. A cop's on my ass. Mm-hmm. And a hitman tried to kill me. <laughs> oh fucking K. Yeah, oh fucking K. Oh fucking K. You've been drinking too much of this shit, you lunatic. You get the fuck out of here. Oh, fuck your dog, Emily? It's Anna and the Apocalypse is the music. Yeah, did you get the dialogue? No. But I got one right. Yeah. Oh, I know what the dialogue is. <laughs> hang on, is. hang on, hang on. Sarah, did you get the no, dialogue? No, I was going to buzz in for Anna and the Apocalypse as well. So, uh, Brian, you look like you know the dialogue. I had a shitty day. I don't care. My brother's giving me shit. Brother's giving you shit. A cop's on my ass. Mm-hmm. And a hitman tried to kill me. <laughs> oh, fucking K. Yeah, oh, fucking K. Oh, fucking K. You've been drinking too much of this shit, you lunatic. You get the fuck out of here. Go fuck your dog ass. No. Uh, I don't know, but I, hope, I think I know who the actor is, if that will help CJ. Oh, who's the actor? Is no, it, who do you think is the actor is? It, I think it's Edward Furlong. It's really not Edward Ooh. Furlong. It sounded like Rob Zombie dialogue. Uh, oh, what an insult. It's from Street uh, Trash. I, oh, oh, of course it's strong! Of course it is! With the scores at a paltry one all, here is the final pair. My God! How could we forget Susie? But this can't be happening! Why oh, do you God. have to never go to the... Tara, is that you? Yeah, because it's um, Nightmare Before Christmas. It is Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I don't know what the dialogue is. But I just wanted to get one right. Okay. Uh, Emily, did you get the dialogue? I didn't, no. All right. Sorry. It's going to be like The Burning or something. It's not The Burning. Bryony and CJ, here you go. Good dialogue to get. My God. How could we forget Susie? But this can't be happening. Why do you have to let her go to the toilet? Oh, that's really the limit. What the hell was I to do? Say, my dear Susie, hold on for just a moment because your great aunties are going to turn into demons. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it sounds amazing. Um, Spoiler, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking awful. All right, so my wild guess is uh, carry on screaming. Oh, no, no. It's rabid grannies. Oh, wow. Okay. Because okay. that was French, wasn't it? Belgian, yeah. There's the English dub, obviously, but, wow. um, you know, I wasn't going to play some French Good. language clip for you. Good dialogue. <laughs> Why did you let her go to the toilet? What I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's two to Emily and Sarah, and one to CJ and Bryony. the end of our musicals episode next month we're focusing on a director whose films are a major blind spot for me m night Shyamalan. Uh, so let's know what you think of his work contact us on twitter facebook letterboxd or email dx5podcast at gmail.com uh, our features will be the happening and uh, something chosen by our scary noises winner so sarah i don't know if you're going to be with us next month but um emily you certainly will be won't you so what do you want to do for the other feature uh can't do that happening twice, no, okay. Um, I think you should do The Sixth Sense. Okay, let's choose The Sixth Sense. That's one of the decent ones. So, yeah. okay, we'll go with The Sixth Sense. All right, okay. Can I can I call in sick? <laughs> you can't do that. I was going to do that. Oh, <laughs> if you call in dead, then we'll still be able to see you. <laughs> oh. Nice, nice. Oh. Uh, right, so that's coming in March. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs> 
Fine. 